past, past tense. It's been done. He hath destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. That's been done. Not going to be done. It's done. And see, if I don't know that, if I don't understand that, I'll give place to something that's destroyed. And just like the world, he said, Apostle Paul wrote, I am crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. Well, if I don't comprehend that, I'll think the world has all the power over me. And I'll walk in it. I'll, I'll even confess something that's not true. Because I don't know. And what God has done is He's given us His Spirit that we might freely know all things. That's what God has done. Now, for me to know all things, I have to apply my heart to the Lord. You know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't drop down like a, like a nut on a tree and hit me in the head. See, so there's, there's an application of the heart. And I think Jesus sets this forth in the Gospels and He said, Seek, and you will find. He didn't say you might find. He said, Seek, and you shall. Ask, and you shall. So, so if I'm willing to seek, if I'm willing to ask, God's willing to fulfill His side of the bargain. So He gave you your side and He said for you to seek. And just like Jesus said, come to me and you'll have rest. So the issue is, will you come to him? He didn't say come to a religion. He said, come to him. Come to me. All you that are heavy laden. Why were they heavy laden? The people he was speaking to at that time, why were they heavy laden? Have you ever considered that? You know, because we usually just consider it as it relates to us. But his audience was heavy laden because they were in Roman captivity. They were living in captivity. They were under the rulership of Rome. And they were also under the law of Moses. And Jesus said, come to me. All ye that are heavy laden, be yoked up with me. And you will find rest to your soul. Learn of me. He, that, how do I learn of him? See, see, this is what we need to ask the Lord. How do I learn of Jesus? How do I learn of him? See, we've learned of now now we've been learning of Jesus and his fellowship for years, but in a in a in a Religious way, we've learned of doctrines our whole lives. We have, but doctrines never satisfied the soul. That's why people sit in doctrines and, and are unsatisfied and don't have rest. Because Jesus never said, get the right doctrine. He said, learn me and you'll find rest. And to you, how, how do I learn Him? He told you the answer. He said, the Spirit's going to take of me. And He's going to show mine or me to you. And He said, all things of the Father are mine. Therefore said I, He's going to take of mine. He's going to take all that I am, all that I've done, all that I've accomplished in my death, burial, and resurrection. And He's going to show it. So what we're learning is Christ. I don't have anything to present to you but Him. If I present anything else to you, I don't even want to. You don't understand. I don't even want to. I don't care if God tears up more of my ideas of Him. I don't care. I've given them to Him. I've given Him my beliefs. Sometimes people don't understand that. I've, I've come like Faye was talking about with, with things. And I've said, God, here are my beliefs. You can have them. 
Have you ever done that? Have you ever been that straight with the Lord? Here's my what I believe, Lord. Take it. Now you show me what is truth. Have you ever told him that? Have you ever told him you walk in it regardless if it's a few? You may not know this. I, I, most of you have heard this. And I apologize, but it's in my heart. When I was a young man, I attended a large congregation as far as numbers. And may have been, probably would have been the pastor of that congregation had I stayed there. But in that time period, God began to deal with my heart. And it was in that time period that I told the Lord, whatever's the truth, I'll walk in it. I didn't know, I knew He was true. And I, and I knew I was saved. I knew I was born again. I knew I was filled with the Spirit. I knew I, I'd experienced God. But I heard all kinds of things. And see, that's what people will tell you is all kinds of things. People, if you sit down with ministers, and I'm a minister, I'll tell you all kinds of things. I will. Sit down with me and I will. And you that sit down with me know that sometimes I'll share and share and share and share. So, I, I love to do that, and I will. But what you have to do is sit down with God. And you have to find a place in your time to sit down with the Lord, like Martha did, or Mary did, not Martha, like Mary did in the story of Martha and Mary, and crawl up at His feet and say, Lord, I want to know You. I am here to know nothing but you. You can purge me of everything else. You can purge me of every thought. I, I'll give you every thought in my mind if I can know you. And be willing to accept what he says. Because he'll speak to you. And when he begins to speak to you, it'll rattle your cage. It'll shake your world. It'll take everything you thought you knew and He'll bring it right before your face and say, do you really know it? But what He'll begin to do is minister to your life. And as He ministers to your life, you'll be willing to give everything else up. Now this is a process. This is, a, this is a years, this is years of a process. It's not just a, I come up one time and have a talk with Jesus and everything's alright. I said this a few weeks ago and I'm going to say this again and we're going to get into some scripture. We're going to take a little time this morning because I've been long in my introduction. But a few weeks ago we have this concept in our head that we're like cars. And we come to church and we get a little gasoline. And we go home. We come back, maybe Wednesday, Sunday night, whatever, and we get a little more gasoline. See, see, that's a horrible concept. That is horrible. But it's in the church. People believe it. They come in, they get a little food, and they leave. Well, we should feast on the Lord in our gatherings. But you should be in a continual place... Like Jesus spoke to the woman at the well and said, Out of your bellies shall flow, or it wasn't there where he said that, but he said, in your, in your inner being will be a water springing up unto eternal life. He said that was going to be in you. So inside of you should be this wellspring of water that's flowing up into life. So when you gather together, you're gathering with the church. You're not coming to church. You are the church which is His body. And the church gathers as His body. And when you come in that understanding and knowledge, you're coming as the church together. 
assembling one another together. And you should already have God dealing with you before you ever walk in these buildings. There shouldn't even be a concept of that in Christianity. But this is what Christians do. I go to church. That bothers me so much to be truthful. Because you're, you're, that means you're not aware of the church. That's what it means. You're not aware that the church is His body. Well, if it's His body, in my natural body, who do you think gets manifested in my body? I do. So if the church is His body, who do you think is supposed to be manifested in the church? Him, not you. See, that's the truth. And that's what Paul said. He didn't just say the church is a temporal body. He said the church is His body, the fullness of Him that fill all in all. And we've been teaching on this for weeks. And then we've been teaching out of Matthew 16 for weeks. In particular, Jesus saying, Whom do men say I am? Whom do you say I am? And it gets personal. But whom say you? This is when he gets personal. Who do you say? Do you have a relationship with him that you can go tell somebody who he is to you? Personally? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And for time's sake, I won't read all this scripture because we'll be here all day. But I'm going to pull some scriptures to your mind. And if you weren't here a few weeks ago, you can get copies of the recording. Go back and listen to them. In Exodus, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. And what did God say to Moses? He said to Moses, I am that I am. Shortly after that, the same God that appeared to him and declared himself to be the I Am, he said, My name is Jehovah. If you get a hold of this, what he's declaring to Moses is this is who I am. I am Jehovah. That's in Exodus 6. I am Jehovah. And he told, the, he told Moses, he said, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the El Shaddai. King James says the Almighty God. If you want to look it up, that is the El Shaddai. You see shirts with the name El Shaddai on it. That's where it comes from. I appeared as El Shaddai. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. The catch is if you study your Bible... Abraham called him Jehovah. So how was he not known as Jehovah to Abraham? Because Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh. The Lord shall provide. That's Jehovah Jireh. I believe Isaac calls him Jehovah. And then Jacob calls him Jehovah. I believe I've studied this out and all three of them actually called him Jehovah. So, so then you have to ask yourself, how then was he not known... By the name Jehovah. Because that name had a meaning. More than just saying the name Jehovah. When he come as Jehovah to Moses, he wasn't going to leave again. He was coming to dwell among the Israelites. So he had come to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he would come, if you'll go there and read through Genesis, he'll come and he'll appear. He'll come and he'll appear. And he'll leave. He will appear and leave. Well, all at once he comes and he declares himself as Jehovah, the I am that I am. And then he says, my name's Jehovah. And what's he going to do? He, he begins to tell them, I'm going to bring a people out to myself. I'm going to be their God. And they are going to be what? My people. And he begins to declare amongst them his name. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Healer. He's Jehovah Rapha. 
The Lord is my shepherd. He's Jehovah's shepherd. So among Israel, he begins to declare himself. He is, Jehovah is there, the present God in the book of Ezekiel. Jehovah is my righteousness. Jehovah is my sanctification. So there's this ongoing declaration in the children of Israel of who he is. Why was he doing that? He said, here's why. I'm going to be their God. And they're going to be my people. How would they be their people, be his people, if they did not know their God? If they didn't even know his name, how would they be his people? How, how would that be so? If I don't know my God, how's he my God? See, that's what, that's what happened with Ezekiel. He comes up to the prophets of Baal. And what was wrong with the prophets of Baal? They didn't know their God. Ezekiel said, what? You, you, you go back and read the encounter with Ezekiel and the prophets of Baal. And Ezekiel says to the prophets of Baal in that encounter, says, what, is your God going to sleep? Is he on vacation? Where's he at? And he, I believe he told them the God that answers by fire is God. And so God answered by fire with the prophets of Baal, and he consumed the offering. But the point there is Ezekiel knew him. And we, when, when we read a scripture like the church is his body, and we say, well, I'm the church. Well, now that brings a consequence on me. Because I need to know him whose body... I'm part of. That, that, brings, that brings a little bit more responsibility than going to church. Because now I have to know it. See, if I, if I just go to church and I don't understand the church is His body, I don't have much responsibility. I can tell people I went to church today. But then I leave the church. But if I understand the church is His, H-I-S, body, my responsibility is to know Him whose body it is. And Apostle John, who was called an apostle, so he had some understanding, he says in one of the books of John, he says that as He is, so are we in this present world. Well, if I don't know how He is, how can I be as He is in this world unless I know how He is? Have you ever thought of that? Unless I know how He is, how am I going to be like Him in this present world? See, and, I, and I, I know the Lord's dealing a little bit this morning. I want to be careful how I say it, but I'm going to say this. See, the concepts we have in religion is God is there and we're here. And if God is there and we're here, then how do I know it? How do I even know it? Well, he gave me his word. Okay, I read his Bible. Is that, is that it? Is that it? Is that how I know God? I just read a book, and out of that book I come to knowing who he is. No, he's given us his spirit that we might know him that is in us. That we might know him. Not just know about Him. Not just walk around and say, well, Jesus was good, so I'm going to try to be good. No, we come to a knowing of Him. And what I begin to see in John's Gospels, and I know it's in other places, but, this, but right now I'm looking in John's Gospels. Jesus, just like God declared Himself as Jehovah, 
and the many names of Jehovah in the Old Covenant, guess what Jesus does? He declares Himself. You know, He asks them in Matthew, He says, Whom do men say that I am? You know He answers His own question through the Gospels. You know that? You know, He... And I, and I kind of caught this because I, I, I'm going to start on the, I am the bread of life. He, he, he goes through I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection. I am the true vine. He goes through all these I am's of who He is. I am He. Unless you believe that I am He, you shall die in your sins. I am the light of the world. Unless you see by Him... You don't see. Now one thing I hadn't caught, and I was reading last night and I caught this. When he comes to the woman at the well, you know, he doesn't come right out and use the, like, I am the bread. But I catch this. In John chapter 4, verse 25. I believe it's what I want, so turn there. John 4. Jesus says to her, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, he that is called Christ. When he is come, he will declare unto us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee, Am he. I'm he. I'm John 4, 26. I that speak unto thee am he. This is who I am. Like I said, he asked them in Matthew, Whom do you say that I am? She says, when Christ comes, He's going to tell us all things. Now, where would she get that notion from? From the Scripture. From Deuteronomy, and I've quoted it many, many times, that God was going to raise up a prophet, and He was going to speak the words of God, and He was going to tell them all things that they need to observe. So, here... The woman says, when Christ comes, He's going to declare to us all things. And she knew that from the prophets. And Jesus says, I'm He. I'm the one that declares all things. I'm He. And He told her, said, if you, and up above, He said, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask of Me, and I would give you water. And this water would be a wellspring of life. So this water is going to continually flow in you unto eternal life. Now see, see, I'm going to knock down a concept unto eternal life. See, the concept is eternal life is one day we get eternal life and we just live forever. We, we someday have eternal life. Now Jesus straightens that concept out. He'll straighten that out if we'll let Him. That is if we'll let Him. Because He says, I am, one of the names Jesus declares of Himself, He says, I am life. So eternal life is Him. And He defines it even further. He says, this is life eternal. So, so, so remember, he's going to declare all things to you. And he, in John 17, he says, This is eternal life, or this is life eternal. What is life eternal? That you might know. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. See, our concept of eternal life is just me and you living forever. Now, I believe you are. But your life is Him. So how you're living is through Him. So shouldn't you know Him that's your life? Sure you should. So if I don't know Him that's my life, I don't have a real comprehension of my life. So then I can't manifest what I am. 
His body. Because they don't comprehend Him. That's a big issue. Really, really big issue. So He places that life in you. That's what He said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Well, people have taught that's having lots of cars or lots of lands or lots of this or lots of that. And you can get all those things and not have life. There's a lot of rich people that have taken their natural life. They've had more cars and lands and homes than most of you or maybe all of you will ever see. But they've ended their life. Because they didn't have life. Because there's difference in breathing oxygen and having life. Because I have to see that He is my life. Calvin read that. When Christ who is our life shall appear. Then you will appear as one with Him. That word with Him means as one with Him. In glory. Now, if you read the whole book of Colossians, you can put it in perspective. If I don't read the whole book of Colossians, here's what I do with that scripture. I take that one scripture and say, See, Jesus has to appear. That's true, He does. But Paul tells you where He's at to start with in Colossians 1. So if you read Colossians 1 before you get to Colossians 3, you'll get a clue. Because he tells you that Christ in you is the hope of glory. So would it make sense if Christ is in me, in Colossians 1, if I'm reading Colossians 1, that then when Paul says, when Christ who is our life shall appear, that then that appearing is in you. Because he's already told you he's in you. Would that make sense? When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. And Jesus said over and over, He is going to be glorified in you. See, it gets into believing what He said. See, I say I believe God's Word. Well, do I? That's a question. Do I believe God's Word? Because Jesus told me in His Word that He's going to be glorified in me. I'm going to pick on something, if it's all right. I'm trying to get to where I was going to go, but we'll see if I get there or not. We're just going to go with the Spirit of the Lord. I grew up believing over in glory land. I was taught that. Didn't question it, really, till later on. You know, when I, you know, when I would go here preaching, I'd hear preachers say often, over in glory land, or Beulah land, so on and so forth. Never occurred to me that that wasn't in the Bible. That over in glory land wasn't in the Scripture, and it wasn't what Jesus taught. Never occurred to me that that just wasn't there until I started studying the Scripture. And when I started studying the Scripture, I saw Jesus say, in John 17, flip over here since I'm here. John 17. You have to let me find it because uh, verse 10. Or start at verse 9. He says, I pray for them. I pray for them that God has given me is what he's saying. I pray not for the world, but for those whom Thou hast given me, for they are Thine, and all things that are mine are Thine. So he's saying to the Father, all things that are mine are Yours. And all Yours, all Thine, are mine. And I am glorified in them. So, so God's goal was to be glorified in you. And if I flip back to Isaiah, I believe it's Isaiah 60, we'll see. Because I'm going to flip back there. Isaiah. Yep, 60 verse 1. 
says, Arise and shine, for thy light has come. Who said he's the light? See, I'm dealing with these I am names of Jesus. Arise and shine, you could say the I am light is come. And the glory of the Lord, according to translation, or the glory of Jehovah, is risen, where at? Over in glory land. No. Upon thee. So where was God looking for his glory to arise at? In a people. He says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness to people, but Jehovah will arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and nations shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Man alive. Isaiah prophesied what Paul's teaching in Colossians. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Isaiah prophesied that this is going to happen. The glory of the Lord is going to rise upon you. And that His light is going to become. On you. Now, see I can say I believe what Jesus says. Jesus prayed the Father and He said, Father, I pray that they may be one. Why? That they may behold my glory. Go on down to John 17. Flip back over there. John 17. He says, verse 20, he says, Neither for these only do I pray, but for them also that believe on me. How, do, how are they going to believe? Through their word. Now this was where I was going this morning, his word. So they believe through their word. That they all may be one, even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. Now, now listen to this little thing in verse 21. That they may be one. Not divided up in denominations. But that they may be one in Him. that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me, and the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them, that they may be one. Why has he given them glory? Here's why. That they may be one as we are one. That's why he's given us glory, that we be one with him. And then he goes on to define it. And he says, I in them, thou in me, that they may be perfected into one, that the world may know that thou didst send me and lovest them even as thou hast loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the earth. So, Jesus' prayer for the believer is to behold His glory. To see His glory. And the Apostle Paul writes over to the Corinthian church, and I believe also in the book of Ephesians, but definitely to the Corinthians, that we behold in a glass, what do we behold in a glass? The glory of the Lord. So we behold the Lord's glory as we look into the glass, and He's what we see. 
when we look into the mirror of the Word, we see the Lord, and we behold His glory, and we are changed, Paul writes, from glory to glory, into the same image by the Spirit of the Lord. Now all this is dealing with glory. And so the glory of God is beholding that that Christ is and being transformed into the same image. See, that's glorious. Because when I'm transformed into what He is, that means what I am is done away with. That's why it's glorious. Because it's removing my mind and it's bringing forth His. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now that's glorious because I've known what my mind's like. Have you ever known what your mind's like? Have you ever spent time alone with yourself? I believe if you do, you find the beast real fast. You don't have to go very far because you find him lurking right inside of you. But see, when you begin to behold his glory, that man of sin that sits in the house of God and Paul writes in another place showing himself to be God is removed now I believe that literally happened in the natural was Dylan now me personally believe that was dealing with probably King Nero as far as the natural goes but from a spiritual context man sits in God's house Showing himself to be God. He thinks he's God. The natural man does. He thinks he doesn't even need God. You know, most men go their lives thinking, I don't need God. And then one day they die. Because they can't sustain their life. They have no eternal life in themselves. So, so our, our arrogance as man, we believe we're something we're not. We believe we're more than we are. It's like, like God saying through Isaiah, shall the potter, or, or the clay say to the potter, You know, the, the clay talking to the potter, telling the potter what to do with the clay. See, that's the arrogance of man. That's what's in the heart of man. We think we're going to tell God what to do. Instead of coming into the alignment with God, that's, that's the audacity and the arrogance that's within us. And what he wants to do is bring us into his mind. See, see, that's what he's after, Jackie, is to bring you into his mind. See, Sister Faye and I were talking about this yesterday. I quote the scripture in Isaiah, and God says in Isaiah, he says, My ways are higher than thy ways. My ways are past finding out. Now, to the natural man, that's true. I want to deal with, deal with you for a second. I quote that scripture. You can quote that scripture, and you can say, Okay, we can't find out God's ways. Well, what did Jesus say? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And you will find rest unto your soul. See, see, until Jesus come, that was true. You couldn't know God's ways. Until you're born again, that's true. See, there's a, there's a difference in a man that's born again and a man that's not born again. And what, what a lot of times people try to do is lump them both into the same category. And they're not in the same category. Because a man that is born a woman, I'm just going to illustrate something. Years ago, I was preaching a funeral. And, I, and I'm going to use the scripture in Job. Man that is born a woman, few days full of sin, full of, or full of trouble. Because that's what we like to preach at funerals. We're preachers. And the Lord questioned my heart. Well, is she just a man born a woman? And I said, no. 
So I did use that scripture. But I shared that Reva had been born of spirit. Because you have a man born a woman, which is the natural man. And he's a few days and full of trouble. But that one born of spirit is eternal. And you have to put it into context. Because if I read that scripture, he's a few days and full of trouble, and I talk to the natural man that has never been born again, that's the truth. But now there's a new man on the scene, and that new man is full of life. And it's the understanding of the Spirit. See, there's a change that happened in your Bible when Jesus came. It's like John chapter 4, and, and you all forgive me, I'll get into... I am the bread of life next week, but I just went with what was before me this morning. John chapter 4. And I've, I've taught on this many times here, so you all should be able to teach this. Should be able to call on my wife and say, I need to get up and teach this. Truth is, she probably can't. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. Well, I need to read verse 20. Or verse 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You worship that which you know not. We worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is, he said. What made it now was him. Till he come. The true house of worship was in Jerusalem. Till he come. Now the problem inside of a lot of Christianity, they still want to make the true house of, the true house of worship the temple in Jerusalem. But listen to what Jesus said. This is, goes back in what I said. Do we really believe His words? We say we believe His words. Do we really believe His words? The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For... Such doth the Father seek to be His worshipers. See, He says in verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Now you, get, you can get a whole house full of Christians and you can tell them God's getting ready to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And what Jesus said. So you're just kicking against a prick like Paul. Jesus said, Thou cometh when neither in Samaria nor in Jerusalem are you going to worship the Father. And he, and he went on, and, and you, you, know, you, you, you know, what Jesus said to a lot of Christians would say, Well, you don't have to be that mean. He tells the woman, He says, You don't even know what you worship. You know, he kind of told her, he said, what you guys are worshiping isn't God. He said, you worship, you don't know what. He says, for the true salvation is of the Jews. So the God of that temple in Israel was the true God. That's what he's saying. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such that the Father seek to worship Him, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. And then, now I'm back into the beginning. The woman said unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh, when he, he that is called Christ, when He has come, He will declare unto us all things. So He's going to declare the true house of worship. He's going to declare the true worship. What is the true worship He declared? that they will worship me in spirit and truth. That's the true place of worship. And that has no natural locality. 
So I can be in Culpeper. I can be in the Soviet Union. I can be in China, Beirut, wherever I be, and as far as the natural, and I can worship God in spirit and truth. See, you can't take that from me. Because God is a spirit, and He seeks those to worship Him in the understanding of the spirit. If I'm not worshiping Him in the understanding of the Spirit, I'm not worshiping Him in the truth. He says, in spirit and in truth. So I have to, who, who declared, you know, as, as we're going through this, who said He's the truth? Jesus did. So, so if I don't understand Christ, how can I worship God in the truth? How can I? Now, one last scripture here today. Ephesians, I believe chapter 4 is what I want. Ephesians, I believe it's 4. It's either 4 or 5, I think. Yeah, 4, 17. It says, this, verse 17, This I therefore say, this I say therefore in testifying the Lord that you not walk as the Gentiles walk and the vanity of their mind. How do the Gentiles walk? In their vain mind. Listen to that. Being darkened in their understanding. Were they darkened at? In their understanding. And what are they alienated from? The life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardening of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness. But you did not so learn Christ. You Remember what I'm talking about is worshiping the Father in, the spirit, in spirit and truth. You did not so learn Christ. If so be, you have heard Him. Now here's the question, have you heard Him? And were taught in Him, even as the truth is in Jesus. Here's where the truth is at. Where's the truth at? In Jesus. What truth is in Jesus? That you put away as concerning your former manner of life, the old man. What do you put away? The old man. That waxes corrupt after the lusts of deceit. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new man. That after God have been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Wherefore putting away falsehood. Speak you truth each one with his neighbor. For we're members one of another. Now. Here's, here's a big lie in Christianity. Now, I know you can literally tell lies, but I'm going to tell you a big lie that circles around the Christian organizations. You have your way and I have my way. Or, we'll all get along over in heaven. Anybody ever heard that besides me? Over in heaven, the Baptists and Pentecostals, they'll have to get along. Paul says, put away falsehood. That's false. Speak truth to each other with your neighbor. For you're members of one another. Well, if I don't see the Christ, I don't know I'm a member of you. I don't know I affect you. So if I don't know Christ, if I don't understand that we are members of one body, that we're baptized by one spirit into one body, I don't understand what effect I have on you. So when I run around with my own idea of what God says, and I'm not taught by the Spirit of God, I don't understand what effect that's having in the church. See, we wonder sometimes, why don't we see more power in the church? I'm going to tell you a secret to it. You can search this out. We're, 
we're, we're done if you want to turn me off, but I'm going to tell you all a secret. One of the problems in the church is division. Maybe the biggest problem in the church, if you go back in the book of Acts and you read in the, the books of Acts, and what does it say about the early church? They had all things what? Common. They weren't divided. So what was flowing out of them was the life of God. See, Paul began to address them in, in Corinth. It didn't take them long to divide. So you go from the book of Acts to Corinth. Just follow me for a moment. Give me another 10 minutes. I've only been 50 minutes. 51. And I'm usually 45 or less now, so forgive me today. But, go, but follow from Acts to Paul in Corinth. What had happened in a short period of time? You had people come and say, well, I'm of Paul. I'm following Paul. Then you had another group of people, evidently this really happened because he addressed it. They said, I'm a Peter. And another group of people went over here and said, I'm of Apollos. And what was Paul's answer to them? Is Christ divided? And I don't know if you, if, if, if you can't see this in the earth today in the church. Born again believers. People with the same spirit. Because there's only one spirit. And they walk around they say, well, I'm a Pentecostal. And the other one walks around and says, well, I'm... A Baptist. Next one says, I'm a Methodist. I'm part of this group. And then they get even sillier. And they say, well, we'll go over to our place. And you can go over to yours. And see, that's what Paul was dealing with here and even in Ephesians when he said not to lie one to another, seeing that you're members of who? One another. You're joined to each other. You're baptized into one body. What I would give to see the church understand that simple truth. You've been baptized into one body. You belong to Christ. You don't belong to any organization of man. You don't belong to anything but Him. If ye be Christ, Paul says. If you be Christ. He says in another place, If you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk. 